0: Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. So we have been reading Colossians and we completed those four chapters. Colossians is a pretty short epistle but there's a lot of a lot of good stuff in it. So um, I want to do a quick summary of that. Now I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. I'm not going to necessarily read every verse again that we've already read and gone through all of that, but I am going to make mention of these things. So, I'm just going to start off with uh, Colossians chapter 1, where Paul begins with greetings and a blessing for the Colossians. He is thankful for their faith and their love. You can see that in verse 4. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus um, and of the love which you have for all the saints. And then two, um, he talks about uh, he prays how he prays for their knowledge and wisdom of God to grow and you know, that they would have the knowledge, more knowledge in the wisdom of God. That is probably the best way I can say it, but let's look and see what he says in verses 9 and 10. for this reason, since the day we heard about it, we have not stopped praying for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and in understanding of spiritual things. So, then Paul talks about how he uh, basically is talking to them about how Christ has rescued us. He's rescued us and drawn us to himself from the dominion of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So, well, I guess you would say he's speaking of God. (laughs) I think of God and the Lord very much the same, so sometimes the way I say things may be a little strange. But if you think of it this way, for God has rescued us and has drawn us to himself from the dominion of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. So, So he's talking about how we've been rescued through Christ, and that uh, Christ is the head of the church, down in verse 18. He talks about uh, He is also the head of the body, the church, and He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He Himself will occupy the first place in everything, because Jesus is our leader. He is the one. He is the head. And uh, He shows the way and blazes the trail for us. I mean, I always think, you know, we're following him, that's what we're doing, so he is ahead of us, he's blazing, he's already blazed the trail, really, so to speak, but you know what I mean, we're following him. We are <clears throat> We're following him, and Christ has reconciled us to God, he also explains this to them, um, if you continue in the faith, well grounded, um, I'm on the wrong verse, I apologize, this is Verse 22 is where it should be. Yet Christ has now reconciled you in his physical body through death in order to present you before the Father holy and blameless and beyond reproach. And then in the verse I was reading, verse 23, if you continue in the faith well-grounded and steadfast and not shifting away. In other words, this is a continual thing. This is He's always reconciling us to God he has reconciled us to God and it is still a continual we're always being reconciled to God because we're not perfect and we're still working through ourselves and improving ourselves and we still we still need repentance and forgiveness every day so it's a that reconciliation through his blood is is a continual thing it's not just a one time one and done it's a continual thing Um, And then Paul, in verse 25, he goes into his ministry, talking about, let me find that, okay, in this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship which God entrusted to me for your sake, so that I might make the word of God fully known, and, you know, among you, is what uh, the uh, Amplified says, fully known among you. But nonetheless, Paul goes on to speak of his ministry, and what his job is, and how he's supposed to make sure that they know, you know, about God. That, okay, so that if you look down in verse 28, so that we may present every person complete in Christ. So there you go, and he's talking about his ministry. So then, in chapter 2, he goes on, and he's, he's talking about, um, he wants them to have the true full knowledge of God's wisdom. In verse 2, he says that their hearts may be encouraged as they are... Well, let me just read it to you as the Amplified has it. Sometimes I try to leave out some of the extra stuff. But anyway, for my hope is that their hearts may be encouraged as they are knit together in unselfish love, that they may have all the riches that come from the full assurance of understanding the joy of salvation, resulting in a true and more intimate knowledge of the mystery of God, that is Christ. So, and then if you read in verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge regarding the word and purposes of God. So, he wants them to have that true, full knowledge of the wisdom of God. Um, Now, in verse 4, he mentions he does not want them to be deceived. I say this so that no one will deceive you with persuasive but thoroughly deceptive arguments, because, as you know, as mentioned in the other letters, that uh, a lot of times these churches had people come to them that tried to deceive them or get them to follow the old Jewish law, and instead of really following Christ. And then, in verses six through seven, Paul instructs them to walk. In and with the Lord in their lives. You know, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in union with Him, reflecting His character in the things you do and say, living lives that lead others away from sin, having been deeply rooted in Him, and now being continually built up in Him, and becoming increasingly more established in your faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing in it with gratitude. So, all of that, there's a lot there, but walk in the Lord, reflecting His attitude, His speech, His ways, His love, His caring, and His gratitude to God. Then in verse 8, again a bit of a warning here, he says, avoid philosophy. In other words, don't get caught up in vain, empty philosophy, the vain, empty notions of men, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy philosophy and empty deception. Pseudo-intellectual babble, according to the tradition and musings of mere men, following the elementary principles of this world, rather than following the truth, the teachings of Christ. And that's what a lot of people are into nowadays. They're into a lot of pseudo-intellectual babble, and then there's a lot of pseudo-spiritual babble. Babble that you have to watch out for, um, just a lot of vain, empty stuff. That some of it, some of it is positive in the fact that they they present it as a positive thing and they present it almost as if it's a biblical, spiritual thing. But it's really just that positive thing. It's really just them being humanly positive and it's just kind of a a pseudo-spiritual thing, if you know what I mean. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being positive. We should really be positive in our lives because we have a lot to be thankful for and a lot to look at in a positive way. So, not putting that down, but don't be captive to that. Don't be fooled or deceived by that and thinking that you don't need God. You just need to be positive. You know what I mean? There's a difference in Believing in God and believing in Jesus, and then believing in the power of just positive thinking. Positive thinking is good, and it will get you so far, but you need to believe in God and the Lord. So, and then you will also have that positive attitude, but I'm just saying, there is a difference. One will only take you so far. So, anyway, let's move on from there. So, we want to avoid that kind of philosophy. Now then he also says, and uh, he instructs, or I guess he's teaching, is as, as how I should say it in these letters, and I don't always say that correctly, but uh, he's uh, reminding or telling the Colossians that Christ has, and thus telling us that Christ has made us alive and canceled our debt of sin. He's made us alive in God. He has brought us back to God and canceled our whole debt of sin. Okay, And this is in verses 13-15. This is a little long. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, worldliness, manner of life, God made you alive together with Christ, having freely forgiven us all our sins, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of legal demands, which were in force against us and which were hostile to us. And this certificate he has set aside and completely removed by nailing it to the cross. So, God has brought us to him. He has canceled our debt all through Christ, all through Jesus and the sacrifice he made for us on the cross. We have been freely forgiven. We've been made alive, spiritually alive, so that we will not face the the spiritual death. And he has canceled our debt of sin, totally, through Christ. So then, too, he continues, for that reason, (laughs) and in verse 16 and 17, he says, Therefore, let no one judge you in regard to food and drink, or in regard to the observance of a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath such things are only a shadow of what is to come and they have only symbolic value but the substance the reality of what is foreshadowed belongs to christ in other words other words is in jesus so you know we don't need to be judged based on what we eat or drink or what days we observe or what holidays and festivals we observe and the reverse is also true we should not judge others. You know, we should not judge others simply because they don't observe, you know, the the same, you know, they, well, just because they, based on what they eat or they drink, or because they observe a holiday or a festival that maybe we don't, or maybe they, you know, they don't, uh, follow the Sabbath day, or as we would say, maybe the Lord's day, maybe they have uh, a particular job, which can't happen, especially if you're in certain first responder emergency jobs, that you would work on Sunday. So you would not be able to come to church on Sunday, but maybe you would do uh, your worship on another day. And, and we should not judge, and, and be judged because of that. These things, this is a part of life. Um, the day itself, and even though we call it the Lord's Day, and we do that in, in remembrance of Jesus and to honor Jesus, that's the day itself is still just a day. Like, like Paul says here, that just has symbolic value. It doesn't have true value itself. The true value is in Jesus. And that's what Paul is reminding us there that these things have symbolic value and they're fun, like even Christmas, which I, You know, it doesn't matter how correct Christmas is, if it's the correct day, blah, 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 all that. That doesn't matter. It's just a symbolic thing anyway, and we should enjoy that and observe that. And, if you know, if we want to, and not be judged for doing that, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, The reverse is true, too. If someone doesn't want to observe that for whatever reason, and they, they feel like it's wrong, and they you know, some people do, then, uh, you know, we don't have to judge them harshly either. It's, it's their choice. Um, it's just a symbolic, the holiday is just a symbolic thing. So, the real importance is, again, Jesus. So, alright, so I'm going to move on to the next chapter. Paul continues on in chapter 3, he says, Put on Christ, put on the new self. And he gives us directions on how to do that. And I'm going to read these because I'm not going to say it any better. Okay? So, verse 5. So, put to death and deprive of power the evil longings of your earthly body with its sensual, self-centered instincts, immorality, impurity, sinful passion, evil desire, and greed, which is a kind of idolatry because it replaces your devotion to God. Then, down in verse 8, he says, But now, rid yourselves completely of all these things, anger, rage, malice, slander, and obscene, abusive, filthy, vulgar language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, for you have stripped off the old self with its evil practices. Then, And that does go on in verse 10 to say, and have put on the new spiritual self who is being continually renewed in true knowledge in the image of him who created the new self. So, and that is speaking of our spirit being renewed through the word of God and through praising and thanking and praying praying to God. So then in verses 12 through 17 is a long section. Or, Paul instructs us, so as God's own chosen people, who are wholly set apart, sanctified for his purpose, and well-beloved by God himself, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, which has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantness comes with good temper, bearing graciously with one another, and willingly forgiving each other, if one has cause for complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so should you forgive. Now I want you to notice he's saying forgive even if you have a complaint, a cause, even if you have a valid reason for your, for your, you know, upset or anger, forgive anyway. He's saying even, even if you have a valid reason, just forgive anyway. You should forgive because God forgives us even though he has a valid reason We're we're not, you know, we've broken his rules and his law and we're not acting in love like we should. Beyond all these things, put on and wrap yourselves in unselfish love, which is the perfect bond of unity, for everything is bound together in agreement when each one seeks the best for others. Let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor in your hearts deciding and settling questions that arise meaning when things come up you let Christ lead you you let Jesus lead you and help you make the right decisions to this peace indeed you are called as members in one body of believers and be thankful to God always let the spoken word of Christ have its home within you dwelling in your heart and mind permeating every aspect of your being as you teach spiritual things and admonish and train one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, no matter what it is, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and dependence on Him, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So, so that is how we are to put on the new self, and we are to do these things. You know, we should be teaching one another spiritual things, admonishing and training one another in all wisdom. We should be singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. You know, this is all important, and this is how we should do that. Then, Paul continues on, and he talks about family relations, in verses 18 through 21, basically saying wives. Now, he's he has the least to say to the wives. You know, just be subject to your husband in what is proper and fitting with the Lord. And then he's got two things to tell husbands. One is to love your wives, you know, and to really care for them and don't be embittered and resentful toward them. He has one thing for children, obey your parents. You know, and that's mainly, as we've spoken about before, it's mainly a safety thing, the same reason we should obey God. And then fathers, he comes back to the husband-father again, because we get in more trouble than everybody else, and we're responsible. We have to take responsibility for this. And, you know, he tells us not to provoke or irritate or exasperate our children and not not to treat them harshly, okay? So he talks about those family relations, and that's in verses 18 through 21. Then he talks about servants in verses 22 through 25. Basically, um, a lot of people, and I think some translations probably say slaves, but servants, it can be anyone who's serving someone else. It could be a job. It can be whatever, where where we are serving others. We should do so um, sincerely and put forth our best effort. Because we should remember that we're always working for the Lord and always setting an example for the Lord, trying to put a good example out there as why Christians should be so that people can see that and respect that. You know, I think sometimes Christians get a bad rap because of past wrongs that Christians have done and claim to be Christians and yet act very unchristian-like and that has given us all a bad rap. And if we want to fix that, we've got to set forth better examples. You know, we've got to be a more honest. We've got to be honest, period. And we've got to be putting forth a good effort and doing our job correctly. So, all right. So that is chapter three. Chapter three has a lot, a lot, a ton of good stuff in it. And then in chapter... All right, so in chapter four... Paul starts with this verse about masters, and about how, you know, if you have people working for you, basically, let's equate it to today, and in our current situation, if you have people working for you, you should deal with them fairly and justly, because you also have a master in heaven, who is God, and maybe you should think about, you know, his mercy and his grace, and you should have a little bit of that too. Now, not that you're, not that the people working for you shouldn't do their jobs, they should. But just that you should try to be, you know, try to be um, godly and just and fair. So also, <clears throat> uh, Paul continues on from there and he says, be persistent and devoted to prayer. Telling us to be alert and focused in our prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving. So we need to make sure that we're praying daily and that we're consistently praying He asked for prayers himself, which, you know, we should pray for our ministers. We should pray for each other. And if you don't know what else to pray for, pray for those around you. Pray for your family. Pray for your friends. Pray for your congregation. There's all kinds, you know, of of, uh, good things that you can pray for. So, and then he uh, instructs us to conduct ourselves with wisdom concerning non-Christians. He says, Conduct yourself with wisdom in your interactions with outsiders, non-believers. Make the most of each opportunity, treating it as something precious. Let your speech at all times be gracious and pleasant, seasoned with salt so that you will know how to answer each one who questions you. Meaning, we should conduct ourselves properly, honestly justly fairly you know godly in a godly manner hopefully we will be that that light maybe it will encourage someone to speak to us and ask about the Lord or ask you know something in that along that line Um, let your speech be gracious and pleasant we should always be speaking in a nice pleasant way in a godly way seasoned with salt so we should have God's word you know, in our mouths. We should be speaking God's Word. It doesn't mean you have to quote chapter and verse all the time, but what we say should be something true from God's Word, you know, a lot of times. Now sometimes we're just relating facts, we all understand that and know that, but I just mean sometimes when we're speaking with others, you know, we we should be speaking about Godly principles. We don't even have to mention the Bible or the Lord But if they say, well, how would you handle this situation, we should know the godly principle of how we should handle that. We should handle that in in truth. We should handle that honestly, and we should, you know, speak whatever the truth is about that in loving and in kindness, you know, in love and kindness. I was thinking loving kindness, and I got it mixed mixed up. But nonetheless, that's how we should handle it, handle those situations and we should be able to say that so that they would they would see that and understand that. Now people are not always going to take your advice even if they ask for it, but I'm just putting that out there as a as an example. <clears throat> Pardon me. A little dry there. So then he he finishes up the rest of the chapter is really greetings. Um talking about how, how they pray for them, you know, different ones, and uh blessing, and how they should, uh, how there are letters, you know, that they should be reading, that he sent letters to this other place, La- Laodicea, and, you know, to make sure they read each other's letters because there's good information in them. So a lot of this is kind of, you know, I don't want to say it's, you know, anything wrong, I just mean a lot of this is, uh, Kind of housekeeping explaining to them that hey these people are coming to you they're going to bring you information and then you know because they were sending people back and forth and that's how these letters got back and forth they didn't have like a even a pony express you know <laughs> they they sent these letters via people back and forth so that they could trade information and and share information with each other so and uh Paul, at the end, says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains, his service to the Lord. May grace, God's unmerited favor and blessing, be with you. And that's how he ends the letter. And that is Colossians. That is the letter of Colossians. It's, uh, he covers a lot of things in a short amount of time. There's a lot of good information and good teaching here that he gives them. And thus... He gives to us. It is all. It's all basically. Applicable to us. Um, If you look at everything. He covers as far as in. What Christ has done for us. And being the head of the church. And then how. We should. um, Walk in the Lord. And put on the new man. put on the new self. And how our debt has been cancelled. By what. Jesus did on the cross and that the power was stripped away from the other, you know, from uh was stripped away from the devil and uh, the other authorities, you know, spiritual authorities that had been in control, that uh God has basically removed that through Jesus' sacrifice and has turned our lives back over to us. And so we can, through jesus decide to go to god and get forgiveness and be reconciled daily as needed because it's a continual thing and uh, so we should put on christ we should put on jesus and follow him and conduct ourselves like him and act like him and follow him to god to heaven all the way so we should be devoted to prayer And we should always conduct ourselves justly, fairly, and honestly so that others can see that and know that and put forth our best effort. So, I have re-summarized the summary. So, thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. Remember, God loves you.